When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter. He is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone, because they were afraid. What I would have given to have been there that day, to have seen for my, myself, my own eyes, the empty tomb of our Savior Jesus Christ. You know, you go to every other religious leader's tomb in the world, they're still there. You go to ours, he's no longer there. Uh, we're going to talk through those verses that you just saw displayed on the screens. If you have a Bible and you want to open it with me, it's in Mark chapter 16. So let's pray. God, thanks so much uh, for this opportunity to... Um, open your word and to read from it there the things that you have for us. We know that every time we go to this book, uh, you have things you want to teach us and show us about ourselves, so I pray that we would allow you to do that uh, in our hearts right now. We'd open ourselves to you. If some people are here this morning uh, under duress <laughs> uh, because, you know, uh, they were asked to come or uh, voluntold to come, um, I just want to pray that even those of us who are just waiting for this to be over would, would be available to you now and would, would open our hearts to you. Uh, lead us, God, to truth. Uh, uh, lead us, God, to the, to the tomb so that we can have our stone rolled away. And I pray this, uh, and get me out of the way. Speak in my place as always, uh, but I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Yes, that's right, sister. Let's read those verses. It says, when the Sabbath was passed, Mary, this, uh, this Mary, uh, is Mary Magdalene. Mag Magdala was this town that Mary was apparently from. There's a lot of Marys back then, and so if you wanted to uh, distinguish between the Marys, you came up with surnames, and uh, so that's why Mary was called Magdalene. She was uh, from the city of Magdala. There was another Mary. She was distinguished by her son. She was the mother of James. James was one of the disciples. Uh, he hung out with the 12, and uh, actually some scholars believe that this Mary was actually uh, an aunt uh, through marriage to Jesus and had uh, kind of seen them grow up. So Mary and Mary, and then this other lady, Salome, uh, they all got together as they uh, uh, were witnesses to his crucifixion. They decided to come after the Sabbath was over and, and anoint him with spices. That's why it says uh, when the Sabbath was passed. Sabbath is from Friday evening to Saturday evening, and so they probably ran out to Walmart as soon as they were allowed, and uh, they got the spices that they needed. It was still too dark, though, that evening to go and uh, do, which was... You know, the custom of the time, there was no funeral homes back then. If a, a family member of yours died, it was up to you to bury them and preserve the bodies. And, and uh, these spices were used as 
uh, ways to make it possible for people to come and give their respects. You can imagine that a, a body would decay pretty fast in the desert, and uh, this would make it almost bearable for someone to come. Uh, they just slap that perfume on. So there, there they go. They're going to go uh, anoint the body of Christ here on this Sunday morning. And so It says that in verse 2. Uh, it was very early on the first day of the week, the first day being Sunday, uh, when the sun had risen and they went to the tomb. Uh, here's the question, though, uh, that they uh, soon stumble upon. The question is this. They were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? These ladies had planned but not planned enough. Anybody been there? They'd gotten down the road on a, pro- a project. They were, they were heading towards a goal, and they, they all stopped at the same moment, and they were like, oh, we forgot to bring the muscle. How are we going to open this thing? Whether they had seen it themselves or heard it from others, they knew there was this huge stone that had been rolled in front of the tomb, uh, bigger than even the ones that would maybe be you know, used in, in other times. It was there at the behest of the religious leaders. The Romans themselves had uh, rolled it there, set a garrison of guards or a, a group of guards out in front of it. Uh, they had sealed it with, the, with, with the, the seal of the Roman government. No one was supposed to go in there and, uh, in their haste to come and pay their respects to the fallen one. They, they had forgotten about the stone. I do that. You ever do that? You forget about things as you're getting heading towards, like who's, who's been to the grocery store, had all of your groceries, uh, you know, swiped, and the person says X amount of dollars and you do this. Who's done this? Anybody ever done this? <laughs> oh, my wallet is right where I left it at my house. And you got to do the walk of shame with the milk. Oh, I got to put this back. Uh, I was coming up here yesterday, actually, and uh, had my suit because it was Easter, but I didn't have my shoes. Uh, I was almost wearing, you know, uh, uh, flip-flops up here last night, but my wife came to the rescue. All hail Eleanor. She uh, brought the shoes up here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it just happens. We just, we're forgetful sorts, and, and things like that stand in our way. Uh, yeah. I think... Uh, uh, another thing that kind of is, is a part of my life is I don't like things standing in my way. Anybody kind of driven that way? Like, like, it takes a while for me to get going, but once I get going, please don't stop me. And, and certainly don't try to, you know, uh, impede my progress. I, I'm, not, I'm not a big fan of people who are just out for a Sunday drive on Tuesday morning. Anybody know those folks? <laughs> you know, I like to, uh, you know, vigorously pass them. Not exceeding the speed limit, but just kind of do the stairs. Has anybody done the stairs? Seriously, bro? I'm not a fan of places that close before I think they should. Has anybody ever gone somewhere? Like this past week, I was going to the bank that we have our mortgage at to pay our mortgage, and I was, I was sure in my head that I'd been there at 5.30. So I left work early enough to be able to get there by 5.30, got there about 5.15, and of course, the drive through closes at 5, yeah. And so I just, you know, had a moment of fuming, moment of stewing right there, and I'll remember next time, probably not. Sometimes impediments in life are uh, more than just frustrations, though. Sometimes they're downright dangerous. I was talking to a guy this week at Journey to the Cross. I know many of you got to enjoy that. There was about 1,250 folks who actually went through it. It's tons of you who volunteered. It was a huge A God. But um, uh, at Journey to the Cross, we got to pray with some folks, and I was talking to one of these guys that I know, and uh, what can I pray for you for? And, and he related to me a story from his week earlier. He'd just gone to the doctor. He wasn't feeling super well, and... Uh, his doctor was like, well, you know, 
you've got this history and your family and all this stuff. Maybe we should just take a look at your ticker. And so they hooked him up to a machine while he was there at the hospital, and he had 80% of a, an artery or a vein, I can't remember which, blocked. And the grace of God had led him to be uh, there that day so that he could get a stint put in. And, uh, but that kind of blockage, that kind of impediment, a little bit bigger deal, right? What I want to talk to you about today is, is this impediment in the story here, this stone that stands between these women and Jesus. It's an impediment that is uh, certainly frustrating and a, and a hassle, but it's, it's, it's kind of more like that last kind that I described yet. It's an impediment uh, that I think is, is a, a related in the story in all four of the Gospels because God wants us to understand that there's something that stands between us and Jesus. And that's the bad news of Easter, if there is any bad news is that uh, Easter has to happen because there's a stone between us and Jesus. This stone uh, is, is this thing that we've been singing about all morning, the fact that you and I uh, have chosen not God. We have chosen to sin. We have chosen to set him aside. And some of you are like, I didn't choose. Don't worry, you, you have. The Bible's very clear that every one of us has fallen. Uh, we've, we've fallen short of the glory of God because of the choices that we made. We come by it honestly, uh, the first people started the whole thing, Adam and Eve, they chose to sin, the Bible tells us, uh, as they were uh, given the option to honor God or not. They chose not to, and every one of us, the scripture says, uh, is born in Adam, prone to wander, uh, lost in sin. It's this stone that separates us from him. Uh, and if you're here this morning and you've never thought about your your sin or thought about how it might affect your relationship with God, I'm here to tell you, we don't get to make up our own theologies of how things work. We don't get to say that this is how God's gonna accept me because I'm better than my neighbor or I do this or I do that. Uh, the Bible's clear. Our works, our efforts to balance the scale, they're, they're not enough. That Sin stands between us and God. Now some of you have, have figured out that, that that's not what you want and so uh, over time you've heard the gospel of Jesus Christ laid out in the scriptures and you've made that decision to profess faith in Jesus and you have had, once for all, the penalty of sin, the stone removed from your life. But isn't it crazy how sin can kind of just, even in a life of someone who's trusted Christ, it can kind of keep showing up? Anybody? Anybody still wrestling with the things uh, that you thought you'd be done with as you follow Jesus Christ? Yeah, the stone reappears. It's a nasty wall that separates us from him, like these ladies, uh, our stone can go unnoticed and forgotten. We can just kinda uh, live life just blissfully unaware, uh, not recognizing that, as it says in Romans, that the, the wages, what we earn for our sin, what the stone brings to our lives, the sin in our lives, it, it brings death. We're kinda like that frog in the kettle. Anybody heard that parable before? I think it's actually scientifically proven. If you take a frog, don't do this, by the way. Please do not do this. But if you take a frog or an amphibian and you put it in a, a pot of water, and then you take that water and put it over a heat source, as the water starts to heat up and boil, the frog just stays there. Its, its body is regulating to the temperature, and by the time it figures out, hey, this is wrong, he's already cooked. <laughs> it's a bad thing. But the same thing goes for all of us in our sin. It just kind of, like it says in James, it, it uh, sneaks up on us, it entices us, it drags us away, but eventually it gives birth to death, it, it's the ruin of us. If it's never taken care of, listen, if you're here this morning and you're not a big churchgoer and the Jesus thing is kind of on the side for you, I just want you to know, if you never come to faith in Jesus Christ, your sin will stand between you and God for eternity. 
It's just how it works. And if you do know Christ, yet you persist in, in something that you know is in rebellion against him, then always that, that sin will, will be a ruin of you. Our stone, as it is for the ladies, is way too big for us to handle, too. If you can go to the next slide, I'm just going to skip down to this one. Our stone's too big for us to handle. Look what it says in that verse. It says, uh, they were saying to one another, who will roll this stone away from us? The question is predicated on the fact that they weren't strong enough to do it themselves. I ask these kinds of questions every time I get ready to do a project at my house. Who's going to come and save me in this situation? There's just some things that are beyond us. And I, like I said before, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, or not, excuse me, not yet a follower of Jesus Christ, there's nothing that you could do in and of yourselves to rectify this problem that sin brings between you and God. There's just nothing. You're powerless. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ and, and you constantly try to, 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 in your flesh, work out the things of your life and come against the things that you wrestle with as far as sin, that you're ultimately gonna fail because you and I are powerless against the power of sin. But in Christ, we can be new. Remember my son uh, Cooper was three years old. It's one of my favorite moments with him as a boy. Uh, he was uh, playing with a truck on the, on the big blue chair that sat in the corner of our, our living room and I was just kinda sitting on the couch watching him and he was kinda just up along the top ridge of that chair going vroom, vroom with his truck, and it fell in behind. Um, at three years old, he hadn't, you know, gotten too smart yet, and so uh, he decided to try to reach for it. It was way too far down there. And so uh, not being able to calculate that this wasn't going to work, he kept reaching and reaching and reaching until uh, he fell down behind the couch too. I know I'm not getting the father of the year award here. Everybody, I, I get that. Uh, but I just kind of wanted to see this play out. Happened pretty fast, and... So, uh, so there he is. He's in, he's in the triangle prison of his own making. He's, he's caught between the walls and the back of this chair. And at the age of three, he, he thinks, you know, I can move this. And so he starts trying to push the chair. And, of course, it's too big for him. And then at the age of three, he thinks, well, I'll just climb back out. And he reaches up and you actually see his fingers up over the top of the back of the chair, you know. I don't know if he forgot, forgot that I was there, but uh, I think eventually it dawned on him, this isn't going to work. And so... Uh, I heard from behind the chair, Dad, yeah, Coop, I stuck. I got up from the couch and I walked over to the chair, I knelt on the seat and I just kind of looked down over the top and I was like, yeah, you are. You want some help? He didn't say a word, he just stuck his hands up in the air. And I reached down underneath my boy's armpits and popped him up out of there, threw him on the back of my shoulder, specked his booty, you know, gave him a little love tap there, tickled him some. It's still like yesterday right up here, right? But ever since that happened, it's come up often in my preaching because I think it's the perfect example of what I'm talking about to you as far as our sin in our lives. We're, it's a prison. We just, we can't do anything about it except that we turn to the one who can lift us from it. And that's the good news I want to share with you this morning. I'm not big on bad news. I like the good news. Anybody into the good news? Here's the good news, people. Is everybody ready for the good news? The good news is that Jesus is the stone roller. 
He's the one who takes sin and he throws it, the Bible says, as far as the east is from the west. He is the one who absolves and resolves to restore in us a new life. Jesus is a stone roller. Look what it says in the text. It says in verse 4, and looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was earlier in the, uh, the evening, in the morning, uh, that an angel had come, Matthew tells us, and knocked that sucker out of place. Mark is careful to mention the size of the stone. It was big. It was surprising for these women. But it was a symbol of what God's plan for every human being is. He wants to roll our stone back. He wants, as it were, to roll away death and open the door to life. That's what Easter's about. It's about life and death situations. Jesus comes forth from the grave. It tells us uh, here as the, the women encounter an angel in the tomb. It says, entering the tomb, they saw a young man. Uh, that's Bible speak for angel. We know from the other accounts that's exactly who he was. And he was sitting on the right side of the tomb, uh, just kind of over to where Jesus may have been laid and his body would have been put. He's dressed in a white robe, and, and they were alarmed. This is a word in the scripture that's only appearing this one time in the book of Mark. It means they were freaking out. The English is too tame here. They were losing their stuff. And so the angel says to him, hey, don't freak out. Here's the, uh, the 411. That's an old statement. Anyway. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He was, he's risen. He's not here. Come here, I'll show you. Look at the place where they laid him. The other accounts of this story tell us that uh, the, the, the linens, the cloths that, that Jesus was wrapped in, uh, in his hasty burial on Friday night, were laying there where his body should have been. He was gloriously resurrected from death. He hadn't just fallen asleep. He wasn't kind of dead. He was gone. And God in his power brought him back. This is significant because uh, uh, Jesus became the first one through the door of life. He, he became the first human uh, to, to be uh, the symbol of this resurrection that we can all count on as we put our faith in him. Uh, he, he walked out of the tomb that day uh, as, as the preeminent one, the forerunner uh, for all of us in our resurrection through our faith in him. It says in Colossians chapter one, Paul writing there to his friends, he says this Jesus that we're talking about is the head of the body, he's the head of the church. He's the beginning. The Bible talks a ton about how Jesus is not this created being, he's, he's God's son, he's always existed, three in one, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Uh, he is the beginning of all things, and he's firstborn Amongst the dead. He's the firstborn. He's the one who has come forth first from the grave. He's the leader that, that walks us towards life so that in everything he might be preeminent. In verse 19 it says, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. If you've ever wondered how this whole Easter weekend worked at the cross, Jesus brokers peace between us and God. He takes the payment for your sin and mine upon himself. He, he dies the death that you and I deserve. At the tomb, he gives us victory in life. He walks out. Having been dead, he is resurrected to a new life. We, having been dead through our faith in him, can be resurrected to a new life. 
Jesus rolls away death and opens the door to life. Jesus also rolls away failure and opens the door to forgiveness. They're kind of linked, but this is one of my favorite uh, verses in this text. I just discovered it this week as I was studying. I've read it over and over again in my years of studying the Bible, but I want to share with you this, this one verse and what I learned from it. The angel's still talking to the ladies. He says, go and, and tell his disciples and Peter that he's going before them uh, or before you into Galilee. Uh, Galilee was this place up in the north of Israel. Uh, they're down here in Jerusalem. This is a map of Israel. Anyway, uh, uh, and, and that's where basically Jesus had picked all of these disciples that had followed him, the 12 that were kind of you know, chasing them around for three and a half year, years, almost all resided or came from the, the, the region of Galilee. He says, I'm going to meet you up there. And he had told them before when he was teaching them. They didn't get it. But he had told him, hey, we're going to come back here after I'm resurrected from the grave, and, and I'm going to see you here. So the angel relays that message. Uh, he says, there you will see him uh, just as he told you. Seemingly innocuous verse, something that, you know, just, hey, don't forget, this is what Jesus said, meet me in Galilee. Until you read it again and you see that he, uh, he makes a, a distinction here. He says, uh, go and tell his disciples, and then he says, and Peter. Well, time out here. Anybody come to church last week? We talked about Peter. The last time Peter was hanging out with Jesus, that was at Jesus' first trial on Good Friday. Now, he was at Caiaphas' house, and, and he was getting beat, Jesus was, unjustly, uh, by those who were accusing him. Peter was hanging out by this fire, and this young lady walks up to him and says, hey, I think you're one of the guys that was hanging out with the dude they arrested. And Peter said, I don't know what you're talking about. Later on, she was discussing the, the same idea with some people who were off by the side of the fire. And Peter overheard him and, and said, again, hey, listen, I don't know what she's saying, but it's just not true. I don't know whoever it is that they're smacking over there. And then finally, those people that she was talking to and saying, that's, that's one of the guys that was with Jesus, they come up to him and says, I know it's you. Your voice gives you away. You sound like you're from Galilee. You got that accent. You've got to be one of his followers. And it says, Jesus cursed. The Greek is incomplete there. They often translated Jesus cursed them. Or excuse me, not Jesus. Peter cursed. <laughs> Jesus didn't curse everybody. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Let's back this up. Whoa. <laughs> Peter cursed. Is everybody square on that? Sin, broken, I, I'm sin, okay. Peter cursed. And, and I think Peter actually looked at Jesus and said a curse on him. I don't know him. Don't pin his case on me. It's at that time Luke tells us that Jesus and Peter's eyes locked. Jesus' face already swelling from the beating. And Peter knew immediately it was just as Jesus had told him before the rooster crows a second time, you'll deny me thrice. And he, listen, big old fisherman breaks down, starts crying and runs from the scene. Uh, you and I would have taken Peter off of our Facebook. That would have been it right there. <laughs> I mean, leave us in our greatest hour of need. After making all those braggadocious comments that he'd never leave or deny his Savior, Jesus, come on. But here Jesus says, hey, make sure you tell Pete to meet me in Galilee. It's extraordinary, people. 
If you haven't heard anything I've said today, understand this about the God who made us and loves us. He stands at the ready. No matter how big a mess of our lives we make, he stands at the ready always to receive us back to himself. I mean, even before we're thinking about repenting, even before we know that we've done something wrong, he stands with open arms waiting for us to come back to him. Jesus related this same idea in a story that he told about a father and a couple sons. One of the sons was just a knucklehead, and he asked Jesus, or he asked the father, I keep putting Jesus in the stories, he asked the father if, if, if he could have his inheritance early. He took it and he spent it, blew it, and he's, he's eating uh, pea pods out of a pig trough, and he has this V8 moment. He realizes this is not good. Even if I was a slave in my father's home, Jesus tells in the story, uh, I'd at least be doing better than I am now. So he models for us in that parable the picture of repentance. Repentance is knowing that I'm going this way and then doing that 180 and heading back from the direction that I've left. The boy heads home and the story goes on to show us that even before he had gotten to the house, his father starts running out. I've always thought that was kind of you know, interesting. Like, what's the boy thinking? He's not even gonna let me get to the house. He's gonna put the beat down on me out here on the road. Like, it doesn't say in the scriptures that this happened, but I'm thinking the boy saw his dad running and he's like, whoa. But his dad says, hey, wait, catches up to him. He says, I've been waiting for this. He throws his arm around this kid. The kid had been practicing his speech the whole way there. Dad, I recognize that I've totally blown it as a son. I don't deserve to live in the house. If you'll just give me a place to sleep in the servants' quarters, that'll be just fine. But, I, you know, blah, 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 blah. The, the, the dad, I, I picture him doing this, shh, like putting the finger on the lips like that, shh. I'm just saying, son, I've been waiting since the day you left for you to come home. And in a moment, he turns and he starts yelling out orders, stakes for everyone, someone get my robe, someone get my ring. My boy has come home. He was lost, but now he's found. The God we serve is a God of the lost. If that's you, he wants you to be found. He wants you to know him, and the only way you can know him is this one that we celebrate today. You get to know Jesus. You put your faith in Christ and the things that he's done for you because there's nothing you can do for you. You look to him and his work. You look to him and his sacrifice and he'll give you life anew. Everybody take those rocks out that you were given. You're still not gonna throw them at me, please don't. Those are meant to be a symbol of this stone that was rolled in front of this tomb. We're gonna sing one more song and we're gonna be done for Easter 2017, but before we do, I just wanna kinda of give everybody a chance to, to deal with this God that I've been preaching to you about. I'll give you a chance to open your hearts to him, especially if you're here this morning and you haven't put your faith in Jesus Christ. You need to understand that that rock that you're holding in your hand, everybody hold it up for me. Everybody got one? That rock that you're holding in your hand is a symbol this morning of the sin that stands, you can put them down, the sin that stands between you and him. You can have that 
stone rolled away in your life this morning by putting faith in him. I'm gonna give you a chance to pray in just a second to be able to do that, but it's a simple thing. The gospel goes like this. You admit that you're a sinner. I'm a hot mess, Lord. You admit that there's nothing you can do about your sin, and then you believe that Jesus, his work on the cross, his resurrection from the grave, that these are the things that my faith should be in so that my sins can be forgiven. You confess those things like it tells us in Romans 10, chapters, uh, chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. You confess with your mouth. You believe in your heart. That's what saves you. Then you commit your life to following him. That's the gospel. If you'll tarry and stick around for a little bit, I'd love to share it with you here up the front in a more formal way. But that's how we are saved. And if you don't know Jesus, then I pray that this is the day that you find him. If you do know Jesus, that stone for you should be a symbol of whatever might be standing between you and him right now in your life. Whatever area of life that it's not surrendered to him, whatever it is, maybe it's fear, doubt, maybe it's anger, greed, whatever form the sin might take in your life, if it's keeping you from a deeper expression in your relationship with Christ, he wants to help you deal with it. And here's my prayer. There's markers in the, in the backs of the seats in front of you. Uh, you can write whatever that sin is if you're praying for that to be absolved. You can, you can write, hey, if you're a, a person who's wanting to find Jesus for the first time, write something like alive or free on this stone. Here's what I want you to do with it. I want you to take it home and I want you to make it a monument. I want you to make it a totem, a reminder of the grace of our God in Jesus Christ. Uh, on our mantle that I built, by the way, in my house, uh, are, three, are two stones. One, one comes from the, the Great Wall of China. I, I got that while I was visiting there. I'm not sure if I was supposed to take it, but I did. Anyway, <laughs> and then also there's a, a piece of the, the Berlin Wall that Eleanor got while she was in college and visiting Germany. Uh, I'm going to put my rock next to those so that when people look at my mantle and say, okay, China, Berlin, what's this one? I can say, oh, that's the most important one. That's the one that reminds me that Jesus overcame the grave on my behalf and that I have life because he has life. Let me pray. Hey, God, we come to you now mindful this morning of your grace to us. Uh, by your death, uh, we have been given peace uh, with our God. You've, you've reconciled and, and removed the debt that we have because of our sin. And, and by your resurrection, you give us new life so that sin doesn't have to have its effect on us. Sin doesn't have to have its control on us. Uh, we can live life anew. That's my prayer for all of us in here today, especially for those, Lord, who are here for the, uh, maybe the first time or the first time in a long time or they've been around the Jesus story for parts of their lives, but they've never really engaged you in it. Here's my prayer, God, that in this moment that they would pray that prayer of faith, admitting that they have sinned, believing that you're their solution, and then confessing that and committing to a life with you. Help them in this simple way to just receive you by faith. For those of us who already know you, lead us to repentance, God. Grant us your strength and courage to face the things that keep us from you. Thank you. Thank you for this blessed day the day that that stone was rolled away. We worship you today. We glorify you. And we pray this in Jesus' name.